Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. So Jesus says, if you won't remember and repent and repeat, I'll remove my presence. Now, if you remove the presence of God from our life, we are nothing. We have no light for a world. We have no salt in our life. We're useless. So we have to do what he said. Now, what's very interesting is this. Eventually, historically, this is exactly what happened to the Ephesian church. When you've been a Christ follower for some time, your active participation in your faith may have diminished. The excitement you felt when you first came to know the Lord may feel like a memory, but it doesn't have to. You know what helps? People. Connecting with other believers, new believers, sharing your testimony with the lost. All of these things can give you a right perspective about why you gave your life to Jesus in the first place. Because He is life. In today's teaching, we'll be encouraged to hear about how to examine where we are in our relationship with the Father and how He can change us to grow more. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 5, as he continues with our study entitled, Remember, Repent, Repeat. You have left the love of the first days. So Jesus is saying this. Now, don't mistake this. Notice, Jesus doesn't say in verse 2-4, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Quit all your good works. No, he loved the good works. But the problem was they were doing the good works with the wrong motives. Now, why would we do works for God Good works, serving, ministering, sharing the gospel, reading your Bible. Why would we do good works for God with the wrong motives? Well, here's four motives possibly for tonight. You could be serving God out of guilt. See, if you come to church out of guilt, that isn't true love. It's wrong. When Valentine's Day comes and we miss getting our wives something or a card or whatever, taking her out for lunch, at least that, whatever, you know, true love isn't like, I'm guilty, I've got to do it. Why you got to do it? Well, because she expects it. I got to do it. Wrong reason. We could also be doing it out of pride. Look at my good works. God isn't interested in that. We could also be doing it for an eternal reward only. Well, you told me, Pastor Mark, that when I get to heaven, I'm going to stand there and I'm going to be judged for what I do and I want to have good things. I want to have lots of good things in heaven. So that's why I'm serving God now. Nice works, wrong motive. The one I think is the key, the problem with me, and probably most of us, is number four. They may have been serving God out of routine. Just simply going through the motions. Without emotion. Did you get it? Going through the motions without emotion. This was a, a dynamic church. They were discerning, dedicated, patient, disciplined, but now they are being chastised by God who knows all things, including our motives, 
because there was not love in two areas, for God and for others. You see, if you love God, you love others. So it's both. Now, works cannot replace love. It's a danger to try to substitute, and, and that's a danger we all have today, to substitute activity for devotion. Cannot happen. We have to keep first things first. Let me read you 1 Corinthians. If I speak with the tongue of men and angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom mysteries, all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but I have love, have not love, I gain nothing. So we can do marvelous things. But if we do not have the right motive for love, it's worth nothing. Hard lesson, isn't it? Can't grade yourself yet, we're not done. See, they were so busy doing the work of God that they forgot God. That word first there suggests quality, intensity, unlike that of their initial love. In other words, they had had love for God, but had grown cold. Right by that verse, just write, cold. That's what had happened. Remember the song? You lost that love and feeling, that love and feeling. I know, I won't go on. But they lost it. It, it had gone. It, it, they still had some love, but, but overall it had gone. It had gone. Now God doesn't leave them there. He comes with admonition. How to get right. Isn't that great? God says, here's what's wrong, but I'm going to help you, show you what's right. Well, how's he going to do it? It's because the Holy Spirit's going to speak to us. Now don't... Yeah, you better. You better grade yourself in that area. Go ahead. And let me give you a clue how to do that. Think back when you were first a Christian. We'll develop this more in a minute. When you were first a Christian compared to now. What kind of zeal, devotion, excitement? I'm not looking. Go ahead. You ain't seeing mine as I already told you. Now verse 5. Here's what he says. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. So here's the formula, how to get right. It's three R's. It's very easy. Remember. In the Greek it means, keep on remembering. Second, repent. Turn around. Do things differently. Third, repeat. Get back to the basics. Doing what you were doing before. The three R's. It's not reading, writing, arithmetic. It's remember, repent, repeat. Now, let's take a look at remember. This first love that Jesus is talking about is actually a picture of Christ to his church. So for us, it's a picture today, for those of you that are married, is a picture of, your, of like a newly wedded couple. Fervent and chaste and pure love when you were first married. Do you remember your early dating days in those first few years and weeks of your marriage? You remember those early days when you were dating? This is what Christ says. Remember, 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 remember back. Flowers, cards, endless phone calls. Couldn't stop being together. It was awesome. I remember that P 
pickle corsage I made for my wife. It was fun, man. It was great. Remember those first few weeks of marriage? Wow. Long nights in bed. Not sleeping. And it wasn't because she snored or you snored or you had indigestion. It was, well, remember? Hmm. What Jesus says is, relive it again. Relive it again. Some of you needed a spark. I gave you the spark for tonight, so don't call me. Hmm. Get your bride in bed and sing, we're going to gain that love and feeling. Praise God. We need more baby dedications anyway. All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many are ready to go home right now? <laughs> Sorry, I'm only on page seven. Just hang in there. All right, now bring your minds back here, if you will. Remember, Jesus is walking among us. Hmm. Do you remember the early days when you were a Christian for the very first time? Do you remember the zeal you had for God's word? Do you remember you discovered the Bible and you went, this applies to my life? Do you remember you couldn't keep yourself away from church? And someone told you that prayer went right to God and he answered. And you discovered it was true. And do you remember when you came to the Lord, you could not shut up with your friends who didn't know God. You said, man, I found the answer. Stuff I've been looking for my whole life. Jesus says, remember your first love. Remember what it was like when you were clean for the first time. You didn't have any more guilt. Remember. And it wasn't anything you did. And you kind of thought, this is too easy, but it's awesome. Pastor Bill and Rick went in and taught the Christian basic class one night with new believers. We have other people that are doing that, but they went that night just to pitch it. And I remember Bill coming back and he said, I got to do this more often. Why? Because when you're around new believers, man, it gives you that love and feeling again. You get excited. They're so excited about Jesus Christ. I mean, rate your love tonight. When people start walking down the aisles at our services, what happens in your heart? If you're like, well, only two this Sunday, you can grade yourself. But if you go, man, I remember when that was. Look, at there's another family going to get back together. There's more people are going to come to the Lord. Whoo, man, that's it. That's the feeling. Jesus says, remember, you're so busy. You've forgotten what it's like. You see, in our marriages, if you get so busy, what I find in marriage is this. Pretty soon, husband and wife are doing this. Husband's doing this. Wife's doing this. And they're just going apart. Live in the same house. They're just doing their own. This is what God says. You're out doing your thing. But I have a thing for you. But you haven't been there. Look how you've fallen. It's been a long time. 
since we've had any time together. Then he says, repent, turn around, do things differently. What does that mean? True repentance means a change in our minds and then a follow through in our lives. Some of you tonight don't ever really repent. You're only sorry you got caught. That is not true repentance. You say, well, somebody looked at my card tonight. I'm sorry. That's not repentance. When you go home tonight and you look and say, God, and I don't believe one of us will go home tonight and say, God, I, I have an A in love. Maybe the new believer here, right on with you. But most of us go home tonight going, ouch, if you're honest, including myself. One commentator said this, repent means it's the reversal, and I think this fits so well for us tonight, it's the reversal of status quo. We're just so used to doing things the way we've all been doing them, it's time for a change. By the way, the Greek means a complete change, a quick and effective repentance, immediate now. Then he says, repeat, repeat. Get back to the basics. After remembering and truly repenting, there is another step. We start over again. Jesus says, remember how far you've fallen. Remember the days when you had love and zeal and there was hot devotion included with your work. Most of us tonight, it's, we're there because we just neglect. A year or so ago when I came back from India, and then in Germany, I got snowed in at the Frankfurt airport. And all of a sudden, there were planes everywhere. Just backed up and backed up and backed up and backed up. And then I saw these trucks come out. I said, what in the world are they doing? And they were just sprained by the hour, the wings of these planes. All the wings had been filled with ice. And they were de-icing the wings. I made sure I was at my plane and they were de-icing that wing, man, before it took off. You see, what God wants to do in your heart and my heart tonight is to de-ice our spiritual wings. We've grown cold, some of us. We've lost that zeal for God. You know where I got it back some this week? I decided to go back in my old journal, and I went back, and I went back to 92 and 93 in my prayer journal. And I was looking. Here were some of my prayers in those days. God, we need a church building. We just started the church. God, we need help. We're going to try to go to two services for the very first time. Who's going to come and help? <laughs> As I look today, think that stoked me up any? It de-iced my wings. He was walking around me then. He's around me tonight. He's around you. He's faithful. He's going to be there. It stoked me. What will it take to stoke you? Return. I've got two or three things to return. Return to time alone with God. Flip with you, if you will, quickly back to the book of Mark. One of the greatest places I believe to start over is in our time with God alone. In Mark chapter 1, verse 29, we begin to see what the day of a life was like in the life of Jesus. Mark 1.29 says this, As soon as they had left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. And Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her. Took her by the hand, helped her up, the fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick 
and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases, and he drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. You see, Jesus' life was packed with people, places, and plans. He was pressured just like you and I. It's no different for us. If you look at your week coming up, if it's like my week, it's nonstop till next week. Lord Jesus, come quickly, huh? Let's, whatever. They're good things. A lot of busyness going on. But then look what Jesus does. He's busy, but he does something that I try to challenge myself with tonight. He returns to the quietness with his father. Look at verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, after this incredibly busy day, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus knew that worship must proceed work. Worship must proceed work. Vance Havner says this, If you don't come apart for a quiet time, eventually you will come apart. Who got Jesus up? Peter? Peter's mother-in-law? Another disciple? God? No, Jesus got Jesus up. Who's going to get you and I up with our quiet time with God? Well, if God will come knocking on my door, I'll get up. You, you don't want to ask that. <laughs> you just get up. Let's return. No one else can set the priority to you. It has to be you. Jesus got up. He left the house. He got alone. He worshiped. He prayed. He thanked God for yesterday, for the power, and he said, I need direction for today. It's a new day. The way to return to that first love is to return to quality, quiet times. Not quiet times. Quality, quiet times. Where we have solitude, where God speaks to us. You say, well, there's kids everywhere and there's everything. Find a time in the day. Lock yourself into a room. Do it late at night, whatever. You can't really do it unless you're alone. I do not study well with other people around me. I have to lock myself into the room and study. I need to hear God. You will not either, normally. You might be different, and that's fine. But for me, I have to be alone. Second, return to accountability in a small group. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. You see, the disciples didn't get it yet, but soon they would. They'd learn how to keep their love hot. And the reason they were going to learn how to keep their love hot was because Jesus was going to hold them accountable. You see, they were an accountability group. Are you? Are you in any kind of a small group? If not, we have a men's group starting. We have ladies' groups that are starting. We have a ladies' seminar this weekend. Get in a small group. We have life stations all week. Who's going to help put, a, put another load on the fire for you? Who's going to throw another log on there? They are. They're going to say, where you been, man? You look down. What's wrong with you, gal? What's happening? Well, you know my kids. Oh, we know your kids. Come on, get in there. Get into an accountability group. Let somebody help you. Jesus didn't say to his disciples, see you guys. See, they didn't get this at all. Well, they got it later. But they didn't get it here. You teenagers, get yourself in a small group. If you're a new Christian, as I said this morning, get to that Christian basics class. Third, return to sharing the gospel to the lost with zeal. Look what Jesus says in verse 38. 
Let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. So he traveled through Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. Nothing will stoke our love fires for God than sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. When is the last time you shared the gospel with zeal? Not, here's four spiritual laws, run, run, God loves you, run, run, God you, and I'm here, I did it. With zeal, with excitement, with excitement. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 2, verse 5. Now Jesus concludes, he says this, there's another R here. He says this, if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. That's an R word. I will remove. What does he mean? He means this. Basically, he says, I'll remove my presence from you. What does that mean? It means this. God will not stay in a church that doesn't love God. Do you know how many churches are out there today that God is not in? The building's there. The functions are going on. God is nowhere to be found. Why do the people call it a dead church? You got it. It's not because of the style of the music. It's because the presence of God is gone. Now, if you have a lamp and you take the light bulb out, is the lamp any good? No. So Jesus says, if you won't remember and repent and repeat, I'll remove my presence. Now, if you remove the presence of God from our life, we are nothing. We have no light for a world. We have no salt in our life. We're useless. So we have to do what he said. Now, what's very interesting is this. Eventually, historically, this is exactly what happened to the Ephesian church. The Ephesian church eventually was no longer a witness to their dark world. They ceased to exist. Today, in Turkey, what dominates Turkey today? Christianity? Islam. Not much more is need to be said, is it? He'll remove his presence. Then he ends with a special promise. And he does this every time. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. I'll talk more about that in the following weeks. But basically he says this. There's a day coming when we are all going to see the tree that Adam and Eve saw. The tree of life. Originally it was in the Garden of Eden. But God called a work day. Had it transplanted. It's now in paradise. One day we're going to have a taste of it. You know we have a taste of abundant life now. I have no idea how good it's going to be then. But it's going to be better than now. Because there's no more sin. How could we ever allow our hearts to grow cold? When we were in sin there was only one solution. It was Jesus. Then he prepared for us heaven. Paradise. Utopia, forever to be with him because of his love and grace. How could we ever let our love grow cold? Let's get back to our first love. Let's remember. Let's repent. And let's repeat. Pastor Mark gave us some exercises to help build our faith when we feel like our spiritual life is dragging. The first was to remember how we were saved to repent and do things differently and to repeat our precious steps to get back to basics. 
He also used the idea of returning to ask that we consider our alone time with God, a return to accountability in a small group, and to return to sharing the gospel with the lost with zeal. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now. The next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we'll continue our journey through the book of Revelation, where we will consider the importance of God's character. We'll see that we have a God that can relate to everything we go through, that we will live again someday through the life He has given us. Even in persecution, we can be faithful as we come to understand His faithfulness to us. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Palmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.